Welcome to the Cloud Architects Podcast, a podcast about cloud, technology, and the people using it. The Cloud Architects Podcast is sponsored by Kemp Technologies. Choose Kemp to optimize your multi-cloud application deployments and simplify multi-cloud application management. A single pane of glass for application delivery, Kemp provides a 360-degree view of your entire application environment and even third-party ADCs. Download Kemp360 for free today at kemptechnologies.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cloud Architects Podcast. Today we are in New Zealand, of all places. Um, and I must say the weather out here is uh, significantly better than the weather in Sydney, where I've just come from. So uh, I took the time, took the opportunity here to sit down and we're going we're gonna to record and talk a little bit about uh, Teams. We don't have Warren and Nick today. Um, I think Nick is in Singapore somewhere. Uh, not sure what Warren's doing, but for those of you who love Warren's energy, never fear. We have a guest who runs at that level right here. So I think we're gonna we're, we're gonna make up for it today. So uh, excited to be sitting down with Paul and, and Andrew here uh, to talk about Teams. Guys, do you want to do a quick introduction? Paul, starting with you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Paul Bloom. I uh, I've been uh, MVP for the last uh, what is it going for six years now. Uh, hopefully seven soon. Uh, I look after a team that has got sort of collaboration teams, Skype for Business, all the pretty stuff that gets connected to that. But more importantly, these days, I'm focused on adoption, on governance, compliance, and that sort of thing. Very nice. All right. Um, my name's Andrew Morpeth. I'm also an MVP, been one also for about six years, I do believe. Um, so I'm, I'm an ex- Skype for Business guy, I suppose. Well, still a little bit of Skype for Business. Came from the uh, office communication server days, so very much engrossed in the enterprise voice stuff. Transitioning at the moment into the Microsoft Teams world uh, with enterprise voice glasses on at the moment, but sort of working on all the other stuff that Teams brings to the table. And it brings a lot to the table, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. I think there's been, it's been the constant theme for, for a couple of years at least now. There's been a lot of talk about teams and teams this and teams that and you know obviously we just come from ignite a couple three months ago now can you believe it three months uh and there was a lot of announcements at ignite and and i mean have you guys seen anything new since ignite that that kind of sticks out to you yeah my, my favorite uh, new functionality is really the sharepoint view that you get when you're looking at your folder structure within teams being able to look at the date and time stamps and yeah. being able to change the views and create perhaps even mm. my own view i really like that that's yeah. been a long time it, coming. it adds a bit of complication but i i like it as well I, I i like that familiar view that you get from sharepoint in there um bit more buttons to get used to i suppose for some users but um i think it's a welcome addition okay yeah. Oh, very nice. Yeah, and I mean, there's. I think just recently I saw the um, there was the uh, read receipts have now kind of made its way as well, which is which is kind of fun because especially when you're in a in a situation where um, you know islands mode, uh, you don't always know if the dudes <laughs> are going to be reading the message yeah, that yeah. you sent. It, it could be seen as a bit big brotherish. Um, it is configurable by policy, but again, I like it. It's good to know when someone's seen your message. Mm. Um, and of course, the expectation should be set that the chat isn't instant message, right? It's mm. not. It's not. The, the expectation is not instant anymore, as it was in Skype. Um, and sort of training that out of people is a hard thing because we still get those messages of you know hi, and then they wait for a response hi back, um, and don't just get to the point and chat because <laughs> they're not used to that persistent nature yeah. that Teams yeah. brings that yeah. Skype never had. Yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. point. I think you know read receipts or uh, in any form of communication is always an interesting one right because like me personally um on my phone on iMessage I don't have read receipts turned on yeah. so you know 
it's your guess if I've read it or not. But then when I use WhatsApp, because I use WhatsApp a lot as well, um, I like you know the fo- the fact that folks can see that I've you know yeah. read it or not, um, and it helps me when I can you know. And I guess maybe it's just a different types of people that communicate mm. on iMessage versus on WhatsApp. Yeah, yeah, well. that's right. Yeah. It depends who you're trying to avoid, I suppose. And <laughs> iMessage has most of your contact address list in it. So yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> when, when I'm speaking to users, I'm always talking about um, having some form of a social contract. And, and that is just the nature in which we behave together. Yeah. So if we know, hey, if you've read a message, then and if I want a, a response, because that's our social contract, then please do respond. Mm. Uh, or whether we're sharing files or whatever it is we're doing, there's sort of a social agreement as to how we'll be operating in that team. And, mm. and I think that's essential. Otherwise, you do get that, hey, mm. are you just uh, ignoring me or what's going on? Yep, yep, yep. And it, it, it's hard because sometimes you need to gather your thoughts on something, right? And and I like to me, I guess etiquette would dictate that, like, hey, give me a second, or hey, I'm looking into that for you, I'll get back to you in a second, right? Just to give someone a response so that they know you have acknowledged the message. I find that that's something that doesn't exist all that often in business anymore, right? There's this, I need this from you, <laughs> yeah. give it to me yeah, type of situation. Yeah, a bit right? of the now, now thing. Everyone wants yeah. everything now these days. It's yeah. what we're conditioned for, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's, again, it's, that comes back to that social contract, right? And that's why the adoption piece is so important. And unfortunately, it does get left out quite a bit um, and I, I think that's probably especially true maybe in our region because we're we're a little bit she'll be right um, you know the users will figure it out um, let's spend the budget on the technology um, you know the message I've got is that we can just turn it all on in the cloud we don't have service to deploy as far less services cost in that regard so that should be transitioned to watering and feeding your users and keeping them up to speed and making sure they understand the tech because it's changing so quickly um, that mm. it's really hard for anyone to keep up with, mm. Um, mm. E- even even myself, right? Mm. I mean, I can I struggle to keep up, and I'm dealing with you know a single product. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, unfortunately, organisations are looking at the technology and going, we can deploy this at a much cheaper cost. Let's save that budget. Yeah. But the real challenge is that um, traditionally folks haven't measured success in the way you would think they would. Mm. They'd measure success based on does the technology work. Mm. check it works yeah. does it do what it said on the label yes yes but what they never measure is are people using it or are they circumventing yep. it yeah is it actually being adopted and used are you actually getting value for money for your investment yep or is it just a white elephant you've just paid for yep. and oh don't worry you've saved some and money we've, on it you know yeah. we've had some great conversations on this show about adoption and the difference between adoption and consumption right and why it's really important to measure the value that comes out of adopting something as opposed to, well, you know, we have someone log into it once every six months and so therefore the license is justified. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, I mean, it's interesting and, and, and it, I think it's a very, it can be a very deep topic mm. of conversation just by itself. But what are you guys seeing as far as Teams adoption, right? Because if, if you listen to Microsoft and the Microsoft message, right, obviously there's a lot of investment going on yeah, in Teams. Yeah. The Teams product group are, are doing a lot to promote and, and market the product. Are you seeing people 100%. adopting it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, most of the customers I think we touch have already deployed Teams to some capacity. So, um, you know, Microsoft wants seats turned on and that's what they're pushing, right? But the, the, most of the customers we're seeing, they've already turned the stuff on. They just need help to do bits they don't quite understand. So enterprise mm. voice is a key one mm-hmm. um, because it is still reasonably technical. So that element we get pulled into a lot. I guess the SharePoint aspect of it and the document management stuff is 
a complex problem a lot of organizations have they might have things in dropbox and various other storage solutions mm. or partially yeah. or you know not properly deployed sharepoint so need help yeah. in that regard those would be the two yeah. key things do you think paul yeah absolutely absolutely we're seeing a lot of organizers because we've got quite a long rich history in the skyfall business world mm. what we're seeing is a lot of organizations existing customers and, and some new who are going we're on skyfall business want to go to teams and the challenge i'm seeing is i'm going to them and i'm going well, if you want to go apples for apples, because that's what they say to me, can you mm -hmm. please show us compare? And I say, you can't because yep. Skype is an apple, but Teams is a fruit salad. Yes, there's some apple in there, yeah. but there's a hell of a lot of other stuff in there <laughs> you cannot ignore. And so <laughs> yep. that's often my point of reference, just trying to bring them on board and, and show them that Teams is actually a portal through which you access many other things, including a slice of apple. Yeah, fair enough. That's very well said, I actually. I like that one, yeah. I think we might use that in future. <laughs> uh, I've got to adopt that too. I've heard it many times, but I uh, haven't adopted into my own vocab yet. Do you, do you think there's a, a difference to, or in the way um, adoption is happening in, like here in New Zealand or in the APAC region, for example, versus uh, North America and the rest of the world? That's a, that's a good question. We don't have... The visibility we have of what's happening elsewhere is through our, you know, our mm. connections through mm. the MVP program and, and that sort of thing. What what I'm seeing, and, and I'm sure Andrew, you're probably on the same page. Uh, a lot of organisations, there, there's kind of two two parts to it. There are those who are really keen to jump in and get it done, and who are, who are happy to see the limitations or see the challenges and find ways around them because you've highlighted them up front. And then mm. there are others who go, I'll just sit back and hold until you tell me it's all good. Mm. And that's kind of the two views when they're coming from sort of a Skype world and they're, mm. they're including yeah. Andrew's specialty, yeah. Enterprise yeah. Voice. If I was to take a guess, I think it comes down to size of organization as to whether and how much time that they'll spend on adoption. And in the New Zealand region, I guess the, the typical business size is probably under 100 seats, right? Mm. We get the odd, you know, 100, 500 seats, 1,000, you know, Four or five thousand is getting pretty big. You know, biggest company in this en entire country is about thirty-five thousand seats, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it probably comes down to that. So uh, my expectation would be sort of North America, etc. A lot, lot more bigger companies. Um, yeah. They would probably spend a lot more money on that stuff. They've got a lot more people to address. Mm -hmm. Harder to get the information across versus say a hundred-seat organization. It's mm. a lot easier for the IT department to just do that. They kind of personally know the users, and mm. you know, it's a bit easier. Yeah, we're having to come up with ways to introduce adoption concepts and principles in bite-sized chunks, getting back to my fruit analogy, because <laughs> no one's got the funding to yep. eat up the whole bowl, right? Yep. So yep. we've got to give them little spoon-feed chunks as and, they need to. And I think mm. that's absolutely fascinating, though, and I had not considered that, that the market size is, you know, the, the, the average company size is going to be smaller. And so the way that you when you're in a smaller business, there is more of a familiarity mm. of, you know, people know each other, people know the IT people. And so I think you do deal with training and adoption slightly differently yeah. to, you know, when you're a 100,000 seat company and the IT guy doesn't, you know, you're just a name yeah. or yeah. an email address yeah. to them, right? They don't know each other. No one knows each other. Yeah, absolutely. And and then, of course, when you're looking at the adoption, sort of the, the portfolio of skills you need, mm -hmm. You know, there, there's all these different roles that when you look at the Microsoft framework, there's, mm. there's all these different people you've got in there. Mm. You come down to old New Zealand and what do you find? Well, you're <laughs> it, man. Mm. <laughs> so Fair so you're all things to all people yeah. within yep. that space. Yeah. And so, you know, it is what it is and you just got to go with it. Yeah, fair enough. And I, so with that, I mean, I guess if we look at the types of companies around here, are you seeing um, one of the things we've seen a lot of over the last six or so months, maybe nine months, is is tenant to tenant type migrations, M and A type situations, right? And we had 
for a long time we had that process was pretty well understood and it was pretty well we had it down we we knew with the workloads that most companies adopted we could do those types of projects pretty easily with some tool sets and things like that um, but with teams in the mix and because of people adopting teams it's inevitable that every tenant now has some form of team stuff right and yeah. um, you know just recently I was working with a customer where uh, they it was you know they had um, kind of sold off a, a part of their business uh, divested a part of their business and they had two and a half thousand teams and and the new business was only taking like 500 of those two and a half thousand teams wow. and it became i mean it was a it was a very interesting yeah, yeah yeah i got to know uh the graph api <laughs> better than I, I i probably would have ever wanted to know the graph api in that project but i mean it was fun though but it, it is very complex yeah the the tools for that sort of tenant to tenant migrations they're yeah, you know, I guess. I mean, they're days. hardly existing, right? They're, they're yeah. pretty, mm. pretty juvenile at best, and so a lot of that comes down to the skill sets of the resources you're mm. using, and that can be a creative thing, quite a challenge. And it definitely, yeah. you know, I, I think that the the point there, or at least to me, is it's arguable whether the investment in because let's be honest, you can do anything. If you put your mind to it, we have PowerShell, we have automation things. At the end, of, we can eventually we can get there, right? Oh, you want to migrate conversation history? Well, there's no real API for that, but we could probably get it done. I know Lee Ford, um, an MVP out of the yeah. UK, has a fantastic script mm -hmm. that does yeah. some stuff, uh, and and you know I, I used his his stuff a lot um, in the past, or at least on that project. Um, I, owe, I owe you a beer there, uh, Lee. We'll see each other at <laughs> Summit. Uh, <laughs> I'm buying the first round. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I'll buy the second. Yeah, but but. You've got to get to a point at some point where you go, well, the resource cost associated with coming up with mm -hmm. these kludgy homegrown solutions isn't with mm -hmm. the reward of yeah. getting yeah, the stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You, you've, you've got a, um, and we had a discussion about that earlier today. Um, sometimes you've got the sort of idea of perfection or nirvana mm -hmm. of where you've got, got to go, mm -hmm. and then there's the budget. Yep. So you, you've got to kind of draw a line in yeah. the sand and go, look, we can give you that perfect outcome that you want, yeah. but it's going to cost you a hell of a lot of money. So yeah. um, what are you comfortable with? with paying yep. how much can we deliver for that and you've got to tr set that expectation right from the beginning mm -hmm. and it gives you a bit of leeway to deliver accordingly yeah and i think that's that's the important part of, uh, that's our job as technologists right is to be upfront with our customers and actually advise them to that right i think mm -hmm. unfortunately there's this sort of uh sense lately of of people just becoming button clickers right mm. instead of actually being advisors or consultants yeah. to to their customers because you know it's so much cheaper to do a project 100 percent remote than it is yeah. to go and stand there talking to your customer but when you're actually spending the time with them you can actually then have types these types of conversations yeah. and actually deliver significantly more value than yeah. just next 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 yeah. thing through that that's right thing. that's where in person is so important yeah. even yeah. video conferencing to a degree mm -hmm. you yeah. know um, you need to get to know people and have candid conversations and you at least initially need to have those in person mm -hmm. i still think there's still merit in that mm. yeah we're still old school that way within our team yep. um any project that we kick off uh, we always insist on you know mm -hmm. initially at very least getting that eye-to-eye -eye contact uh our body language the customer's body language you 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 mm -hmm basically instill confidence and you help them to appreciate that hey these guys know what they're doing and they're here to help mm. you mm. Uh, and and of, of course between andrew and i we're always waiting for that first project in fiji but it hasn't happened yet <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, or any other island nation <laughs> as long as it's hot so um tell me about um and i think uh, you might be the best andrew you might be the best person to talk about yeah. um, so the islands mode trap all right definitely yeah, something yeah. that i've we've seen a lot of yep 
Uh, yeah, I've heard that um, term <laughs> coined. I, I haven't quite used it myself, but it, it's certainly a problem. Um, you know, Microsoft obviously want adoption of Teams, and for them, islands make sense because it means, by default, generally speaking, if you're E3, E5, you know, one of those plans, you're gonna, it's going to just be turned on unless the admins have done something to circumvent that, right? You just get it. So if someone starts using it, sends an IM to, uh, chat, I should call it, to someone or some sort of message, um, it will get to the other participant and they can kind of join and it's there. The problem I find with it is it causes interop issues because in islands, as the name suggests, both Skype for Business, if you're using that, is very separate to Teams mm. and they run independently of each other. Mm. And with islands being the default, you really need your customers to understand that they need to drive adoption away from Skype into Teams and make sure everyone's aware of it because Things that can happen, for example, is I send Paul a chat message, right? He doesn't know what Teams is. He's never used it because the company hasn't announced that it exists. It's just turned on and he's found it. I've, I've found it and I've sent him a chat message. Yes, he'll get an email notification, say someone's trying to get you in Teams, but he's never heard of it. He's, oh, what's this Teams thing? Throws it in his junk email, right? So it creates a poor experience for the users that who are using it and um, mm. the ones because of the ones that, that aren't interested in kind of self-learning it. So that's where the problem is. So what you really want, in my view, is you want to make a call up front. You want to decide what platform you're going to use and set that mode accordingly. For one, by doing that, it ensures that the interop works. Um, we get a lot of customers saying, oh, it doesn't work. And it's not that it doesn't work. It's that probably you're in islands mode or probably you don't quite understand what the modes actually mean. Mm -hmm. So in the very basic uh, sense of it, there's a Skype only mode, which essentially your teams is disabled and you only use skype and then at the other end of the scale there's a teams only mode where you don't use skype anymore and you you fully transition to teams there's modes in the middle that let you transition features across for example there's a skype with teams meeting mode right and those modes essentially will allow you to present to to the user what they should be using and what client mm. and if you have half your user base on skype and half on teams it guarantees the interop based on the modes that each of your users are on. So if I'm in Skype and I send a chat message to someone in, who is in Teams, I don't need to know that they're in Teams. Mm. By setting those policies correctly for each user, uh, Microsoft will make sure that that happens, right? Mm. And, and largely this works, this works well. Mm. And it works for even for Skype hybrid uh, server deployments. So yes, I think it probably is a trap. It's probably not the best default. I understand why Microsoft have done it. Um, but it's you know it's up to you IT admins out there to get across it and make sure you deploy the mode that suits you and understand what it means. Yeah, I think so. Bo really, bottom line here is it can be really confusing to the end user when when you know you got messages flying around and, and, and yeah. you know and, and I saw this um, you know internally uh, we we were in islands mode for a long time uh, and you know I was on Teams only because I was one of the test guinea yeah. pigs right but then like my manager for example would not be and so. I'm trying to IM, IMing from Teams to Teams, but you know his presence is away because he's not yeah. even looking at the Teams client. He's using Skype for everything. But so I end up having yeah. two contacts for him, one that has the Skype icon next to it, yep. one that yep. doesn't. And it, it uh, like for me, that's confusing. Can you imagine for like a, an end user who has no 100%. idea what's going on here? Yeah. It's a shame because um, the technology we're talking about is designed to connect people. Yes, And correct. yet yes. we're in a situation where we're disconnecting people. Yes. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I think really important to just spend the time here thinking about not only like how where you want to go, what the best user experience is going to be for your situation, but also 
make sure the timeline is understood because yeah. it, it can be a very easy trap to fall into, forgive the pun, um, to, okay, well, we're going to enable this. It's, it's going to coexist. So we don't need to worry about accelerating the, the yeah. deployment because, hey, it's going to work, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like a, like a hybrid deployment. You know, there are a lot of folks in the exchange world who use hybrid as a long-term mm. uh, coexistence mode, right? Which is, which is fine and, and it, it, it certainly works um, for that. But yep. you don't want to be doing that with this. You kind of want to use it to make sure that you're, transitioning correctly mm. but get the transition done as quickly as you can yeah it's got to be a driver yeah absolutely yeah once customers understand what it means it's actually a reasonably easy decision to take to the business mm. and mm. say look we need to make this decision what's it going to be mm. um and then once i mean the easiest thing to do and if, if people had if people had done it out the out, out front right or if microsoft had made skype only the default because everyone was on skype or mm. you know something like that and then actually forced the admins to make the decision it, it probably would have caught, uh, created a better experience because people would have had to go and turn things on and really understand what it meant um that i personally don't like the default but um yeah well back you up on that I totally agree um i don't like the idea of having dual apps with overlapping features mm. it confuses people but as soon as you change those modes to something else, you're taking something away. Mm. And if you ever want to annoy users, take something away. Mm -hmm. So it, it leaves you in a, in a nasty place, which I guess is a good thing for us yeah. since that's how yeah. we make our yeah. bread, eh? Well, one thing I find <laughs> amusing is that that is completely the opposite in the personal world. Like people run around with WhatsApp, iMessage, yeah. everything on their phones. <laughs> They've got no problem switching between them for yeah. you know different chats. But when it comes to enterprise, yep. it kind of has to be run by the... Um, the yeah. business that you work for otherwise yeah. they they're disinterested in it for, for whatever but we're reason. also we're at a point now where things are so like the always on or on by default is such a thing now mm. right like if you I, I think the the teams app is now being deployed with office, with office yeah. right so so you can't even get away from it um yeah. you know i um my wife's i often use my wife's um uh, company and organization as a, as a great kind of uh <laughs> example of of a lot of things because they you know they they use the whole gambit of technologies. They use Google. They use WebEx stuff. Oh, and I know the other day I was looking at a laptop for something. I was helping her out with something. And uh, and I was like, hey, you have Teams. And she was like, oh, that just got installed the other day. I don't know what that's for. <laughs> <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah yes. exactly. Case so it's kind of just a, you know, you, you, you this, I mean, it's a great example of um, actually being able to, you know, communicate to your users when change yeah. is coming. Yeah. Um, but also there's so much overlap between so many different things and, and different vendors are doing the same things. And, you know, why on earth the WebEx folks called their product teams as well? It's uh, just beyond me. Like it just, you know. Mix it up some more. <laughs> let's, not, let's not scratch <laughs> open that word right yeah, now. No. <laughs> um, so, okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, I guess, direct routing and, and the voice side of things a little yeah, bit more. Okay. So for those that don't know, direct routing is essentially a bring your own SIP trunk to Microsoft Teams. It's, a, it's an over the internet a crypt, encrypted SIP trunk between your session border controller or SBC um, to the Microsoft Teams edge. Um, there's various ways you can deploy it. So you can use a supported or certified uh, SBC. So there's the likes of Ribbon, Audio Codes, and there's a few other ones, Oracle, and I'm trying to rattle them off off the top of my uh, head here. Um, this, but the other way you can do that is it's opened the doors for telcos to start offering the service as well. So they're building out their SBC platforms to support direct routing and then offering SIP trunks directly to teams on your behalf, right? At little to no more additional cost is what we're seeing in the market here. 
So, you know, it might be a dollar, two dollars more for a SIP trunk as opposed to something delivered on premise that you'd have to hook up to your own SBC. They take away the headache um, and that makes sense for a lot of customers who are trying to get everything off-prem, move everything to cloud. They've already got a telco relationship. That telco offers the service. They just turn it on, migrate the numbers across um, and you're done. There's still some merit, I think, in having an SBC. I, I like it when customers choose the SBC option selfishly probably because it gives me a in-between vantage point to see where things are going wrong if they're going wrong it also lets me do things like manipulate numbers and and um you know do some diverting and d different things like that that's not quite there in the team's admin uh, center at the moment or available as a feature right so the spc gives you some additional capability that you wouldn't have if you go for a run-of-the-mill hosted mm -hmm. solution so those are sort of the two uh, options we have in our market. And there's obviously the Microsoft calling plans, but they're only in sort of 11, 12, 13 countries yeah. off the top yeah. of my head where you're just buying the minutes directly mm. off of mm. Microsoft. Yeah. yeah. How, what would you say would be the percentage of folks who, organizations who already have an SPC that, that, and they're just essentially using what they have versus new purchases? Yeah, a lot of our customers... Uh, because we've been just heading the sand with Skype for Business for so long, so many years, mm. you know, all the customers we deal with are, are pretty well. I'd say 95% of our Skype customers are enterprise voice enabled, which means they have SBCs. A lot of those SBCs mm. uh, have always been Microsoft certified, so therefore mm. they can be firmware upgraded to support the team's journey. So, yeah, most of our customers who have Skype definitely mm -hmm. will have an SBC. Um if they don't, you know, you can buy one, you can go for the hosted mm. service. These are all supported mm. virtualized now. So, you know, you can get pick yeah. one up for a few hundred bucks. Mm. Um, it's a reasonably cheap entry point Yeah. Um, if you want to host it. Yeah, we have we have a split uh, with some organizations and there's a number I'm working with at the moment who are trying to be resilient geographically to, mm -hmm. you know, disasters and that sort of thing. But a lot of them have components that don't traditionally work with sort of a, a hosted or cloud-based SPC. So they, they might have some elevator phones, they might have some niche contact center that doesn't talk to teams. Mm -hmm. And so we'll use the session border controller as a voice gateway or router right. that allows you to intercept and interoperate these different platforms. Mm. Fair to say those are massively more complex in terms of deployment and looking after and so on. And that I guess it's fair to say that's our Kung Fu. We make yep. uh, some good margin off that. We, we, we know that space very well. Mm. And those who have gone down that path have made that choice knowingly because mm. of constraints, uh, functions, features, mm -hmm. that sort of thing that's not available in the Skype or even Teams world. Yeah, that's right. The key, the key things we use SBCs for if we have access to them ourselves Number one, unallocated numbers. So there's no real way to handle that in Teams right now. So in the SBC, I can I can see that Teams doesn't know what that number is. Mm -hmm. And then I can basically do a reroute and maybe rewrite that as the reception queue or something like that and send the number elsewhere. That's probably one of the, the key things mm -hmm. that we use it for. And also just general number manipulations, which mm. as far as I can tell, I've seen, I've seen some stuff surface in the PowerShell... Um, properties but i don't believe they're accessible um to be set just yet but there are some translation capabilities that i, I think are going to be surfaced in teams soon so that will negate some of this but um that's probably the key thing that we enjoy having an spc for on top of be, the trace the traceability being able to mm. see what what did microsoft say and what did the telco say yep and where should i focus my efforts to find the problem versus 
don't have an SBC. I need to look in the Microsoft portal, try and garner as much information I can from their logging, which is not as detailed as SIP traces. Mm and go from there and then maybe I've got to engage the telco because it's their problem. So it, it takes a little bit longer, whereas yep, on, yep. A, on a SBC trace, we can figure out exactly what's going on straight away. Yeah, well, I, I can see how that would be um, beneficial and how potentially having some third party doing the sort of cloud SBC situation would, would cause a situation of people just yeah, pointing fingers point at fingers each other, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but, then, but then you also have, if you, you know, if you really want to keep it very simple and you're potentially a smaller organization, you could just buy the minutes. If you're in a supported market, you could just buy the minutes from Microsoft. That's, and that's true then too. It all, then you have yep. the one throat to choke, as they say, yeah, right? Because yeah, it's all exactly. Microsoft's, Microsoft's thing then. Exactly. Okay. So there's plenty of options. It just comes down to your, your preference. And okay. we, we just normally talk it through with the customer. Totally up to them. We don't, we don't push any particular sure. way of doing it down their throat it's yeah you know, we don't we don't have a preferred um service or anything mm. like that where we, we we basically go pros and cons what's the customer's current relationships with with whoever they're dealing with and then we try and work with them to find something sure. that yeah okay and and how about uh, i mean are you seeing a lot of customers replacing their traditional pbx systems with with teams and do you think teams is ready for that is it ready for I, prime time yeah, it's, it's a hard one to answer it's not quite there really it's, it's at the tipping point i think so where it will suit a customer is where you've got simple requirements okay so mm. where we're mostly seeing people take the plunge to enterprise voice and teams is professional services type industries because they don't have super complex requirements it's generally people like us lawyers accountants mm. those types of people who are making and receiving calls directly to them um, and they might have a, a receptionist or two receptionists or something like that, simple call flow coming mm, in mm. that distributes calls. That that works pretty well, but there still are limitations even in that, right? Um, the call queues are getting pretty good. Some of the features of the call queues are getting better than Skype. Some aren't quite as mature. Um, the biggest ones that we come up against that are well worth noting is by default from a queue, you can't forward out to a PSTN number. You know, that's quite a common requirement, mm. maybe an on-call tech or something you need to forward directly out. So work around, you need a dummy user account that's fully licensed, you mm. know, so you kind of have to create your own um, creative ways of doing things. Yep. Mm. Um, another one that we, that impacts us, I think it's more of an APAC issue, um, not a global issue from other people I've talked to, is that there's significant call queue delay. So when you answer a call queue call, you can, I've seen up to eight seconds before you get yeah. audio, right? So wow. that's, that's a pretty disjointed yeah. experience for the agent trying to answer calls, right? Where they've got to sit there and wait for the, the audio to kick in. So that's problematic. And we've we've had to, for some customers who don't think that's acceptable, and I don't think that's acceptable personally, some customers live with it. But for customers that don't want to live with it, we've had to use, again, dummy user mm. accounts using the... Mm call group capability of a, a user endpoint type setup, right? So we create a call group in the user config and distribute calls that way. Yeah. Again, another creative way of doing things to work around some immaturities in the product. So, you know, you've, if, if you're going to move enterprise voice to Teams, my general message is you've, you've got to be willing to deal with some rough edges. I wouldn't call it bleeding edge anymore, but it's kind of just mm. come out of the bleeding edge and it's for the early majority, certainly who are willing and able and prepared to be kind of flexible and, you know, mm. working around how they might've expected it to work versus the realities of it. Mm. Yeah. So you really need to make sure you understand how enterprise voice works and compare it feature for feature yeah. uh, for, you know, what you've got and what you've come from and, and determine what you're prepared to give up 
um, to get to teams at this for Enterprise Voice for at this early stage. Yeah, but. Uh, Enterprise Voice is not what Microsoft's really pushing, is it? it it's really the collaboration yep. stuff, the that's documents. Right, yeah. the, so that stuff's going to mature. They're moving it from the Skype online world. It's getting there. It's it's. I've always said probably by the end of this year, we'll, we'll probably be at the point where, oh. man, these features are actually probably better than Skype now. A lot yeah. of them are already kind of better. I like the auto attendance better, the text-to-speech. There's a lot of stuff that's better. Mm. Yeah. There's just some stuff that's just not quite there yet. Mm. It needs a bit of time to mature. So a mm. lot of businesses are not quite ready to take the plunge. They want to see it prove itself. Mm. And and you, who can blame them? Yep. But uh, f- for me, the real shining star in the team space when you're coming from a Skype for Business uh, background is the meeting space. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love the meeting space. It's mm. one of my favorite Agreed. things to talk about. Yep. Uh, being able to see, and there's some, some really cool things coming that just can't wait to get my hands on. Mm. And uh, just having a look at Skype versus mm-hmm. a Teams meeting, it kind of feels a little 80s yep. now. <laughs> it, it, it does. It, I mean, yeah. Skype hasn't changed much past what it was at Messenger, you know? It's all that same sort of format it looks nice a bit nicer but it's sort of mm. that messenger it's very old school instant message you know mm. so teams is definitely the new thing in the way forward and just jumping back to modes right this is where where you can use modes to your advantage if you're a skype customer and you're on enterprise voice and teams isn't ready for you you've checked it out you can still enable your your users as skype for business with teams uh, collaboration and meetings so that lights up meetings and teams and you've got the collaboration stuff which skype Mm. Uh, arguably doesn't well either doesn't do and, and meetings probably not as good you can light that up in teams but still ensure that the enterprise voice features are still in teams uh, in skype sorry yeah mm. yeah yeah that's actually a good point um i you know i think we're seeing rapid development on this though right it's not like microsoft were promising or making promises yeah. a year ago that they're still making today or i mean we're, we're they're, seeing, they're delivering stuff yeah, yeah. which yeah. which yeah. but skype didn't really change too much over the last i mean between 2013 and 2015 versions i mean yeah there were a few sort of small additions but it hasn't fundamentally changed for quite a long time mm-hmm. whereas yeah. teams is new and exciting and it, it's certainly the way forward and, it, and it's i think meeting the needs of the modern kind of information worker much better than skype yeah. does or ever will because you know skype's i guess at the start of its sunset in a lot of ways right it's still mm. a valid product we still recommend it where it makes sense mm. and the great thing about choosing skype is that you have a way to get to teams it's you can have mm. you can still deploy skype and have some of your users on teams you can mm. have some of your users using teams meet you know you've got the best of both worlds if you go that way mm. and it, yeah it's still a completely valid solution completely valid solution but it is it's kind of where the pabx was 15 years ago when skype mm. and these you mm. see platforms that are coming out. Uh, PABXs are still around, but they're sort of kind of, they're almost dead now, right? Mm. Skype's yeah. going to be around for five, ten years, I'd say, you know, before it, it disappears. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, it, it's been incredible. I come from a PABX background. I used to work for Siemens, and uh, the, the mentality there was delivering services in a way that they could address uh, what they perceived as problems, like, mm-hmm. you know, pickup groups and hunt groups and all this sort of thing. And I always say that, you know, with Skype and also with Teams, the the notion is different. Um, I always argue with, you know, when I'm doing training sessions with users, I always tell them that when when I'm trying to reach you, 
who knows best how to get hold of you, me mm. or mm. you? Mm. Well, you do. You know whether you're on the run or whether you're at mm. home or whether you're in a hotel. So I shouldn't change my behavior of reaching you. You control how that's delivered. Mm -hmm. And that's fundamentally how it's changed the way people communicate. It's, mm. it's been brilliant. But the scary bit is it's developing so fast. And that's mm. scary, but it's also very exciting. Mm. And, and very often, and we might have to take a time check right now because this mm. might be invalid by the time I get to the end of the sentence. <laughs> the current state of features is evolving so fast mm. that uh, sometimes I'm busy showing somebody something and then I find that it's changed. <laughs> yes. Well, we will run into that problem every now and then, right? The, yeah. the best is when you're in the admin center trying to do a demo of something that a customer's yeah. asked and then you can't find where it is. Yeah. And you're like, I saw this was here just yesterday. And they're like, yeah, sure it was. You know yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. just because the UIs move something that's just it. a little bit around. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's it. It. I mean, it's it, it's a problem, right? But I guess it's part of, our, of the challenge we have is just going to stay on top of that. And yeah. uh, so, I mean, we talked about, uh, I guess, teams being a fairly you know fruit salad versus just an apple right but i mean i i guess one of the questions that a lot of folks probably listen to this or watching this have is how is their skill set relevant in the new teams world right because i think to me right now there's no such thing as a teams sme because mm. teams is made up of so many different pieces hence yeah. the fruit salad that yeah. it depends on your background and where you come from a absolutely it's it's at this early stage, there are not a lot of people on the planet who have got a handle across even 80% of yep. the underlying mm. bits of technology. And, and we're finding that, you know, so traditionally coming from a voice background and then having lots of Skype for business and now transitioning into the governance and mm -hmm. compliance areas and all the adoption stuff. When you look at that whole spectrum, you do need different skill sets mm. across. So you, there is, you're dead right. There is mm. no such thing as one person who knows yeah. it all. And, and we're finding that, you know, we've got some SharePoint guys in the mm -hmm. team and, and I'm mm. relying heavily on them. And they're teaching me things all the time. Yep. And just getting a feel for how they, uh, you know, put things in place. Mm around governance, compliance, and, you know, around all that sort of control, but I'm, I'm learning lots. But uh, what I'm finding is there's a lot more consulting than actual pushing nerd knobs and buttons. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I somewhat miss the Skype days where you could be intimately familiar with a single platform and just know everything about it. Because now in this world, you cannot know everything about the entire stack. And Teams is just a window into multiple mm. microservices yeah. in uh, teams so i'd say to sys admins you've already got a whole ton of skills already that you may not know you have mm. because teams is leveraging stuff you already know yep. um it's just a window into that that stuff right so yes uh it is a collaboration focused product and there's stuff to learn in that regard mm. um, but a lot of the underlying technologies you're probably familiar with yeah and it, it, it's almost sorry it's almost like um it, the the different areas or components of of it also make for different deployments right so yeah. for example you, when you have a voice uh, deployment your voice requirements are i guess fairly binary in terms of customers are going to know they have these phone numbers that need to be answered in this way or, mm. or handled in this way yeah. but when it comes to the compliance and the governance stuff that stuff's going to be so varied based on industry and, and yeah. location and very often customers don't actually have they don't understand the requirements no, that they absolutely. have right it's new to a lot of customers because yeah. exactly. they've been small they couldn't afford to put that stuff in but now it's mm -hmm. just they get it yep yeah. so they can deploy it but they, they know nothing about it really and if they don't make the right you know it's almost like making the right governance decisions up front you know if we, if we take our minds back to you know eight ten years ago when yammer was you know first busting up on the scenes yeah. it may even have been longer than that i don't want to 
you could go back that far, but you know, I have, <laughs> I, I, I have battle scars from, but, but it was one of those things where like, if you didn't in the very beginning put in some really mm. solid governance, um, it became such a mess. Yeah, and yeah. and then fixing it retroactively afterwards was really hard. And and Teams is kind of like that too, I think. Like if you just enable it and just walk away, yeah. you're going to come back in a week and it's going to be... A- absolutely. Absolute, yeah. so, so take your Yammer problem yeah. and I'll see your Yammer problem <laughs> with my SharePoint issue from yes, 2010. Exactly. <laughs> which was just turn <laughs> yep. it on and she'll be all right. Yep. What happened? Yep. And then we'll throw in some Skype for business and a few other bits and pieces and guess what? We yep. have the most complicated combination of things mm-hmm. we've ever seen yeah and so what could possibly go wrong yeah exactly <laughs> and, and and people people are almost like because we we talk about and I, I said this already one time uh, today we talk about um change management and adoption a lot on this on this show um and we talk about governance and compliance and all of these things and, and a lot of people think that these are just buzzwords that we're throwing out mm. because they sound cool yeah. well mm. the, there's there's very good reason why these things come up over and over and over again mm. is because you know I'm sure you guys also see customers who have not made the right decisions up front yeah. or have kind of gone down the wrong path just a little bit and yeah, then you come in and, and now you're you're trying to backtrack just a tad to to, to help them out um, and so that's it you know the message is consistent because these things are really important yeah, yeah. I, I tell stories to uh, <laughs> to highlight you know? yes so we keep the innocent innocent by not naming any names of course. and I always tell them a story so depending on the the organization and and I hear some scary story i heard a story last week from a customer who said um we don't like to you know talking about shadow it we don't Mm -hmm. like to force our users down any particular path they're a creative bunch and we don't want to limit that and and of (laughs) course uh, at the same time they're they're an organization who's creating new things and Mm -hmm. if those things were to leak well they'll be the end of them Yep, and so yep. once I married those two things together and said, so so I've got some some pictures we took uh, the other night. Uh, Andrew, I'll share them with you. They're in my Dropbox, and I accidentally share the entire Dropbox mm. directory. I also have some very sensitive information in there yep. that I now unknowingly have shared with you. And oh, I can't even tell who's yep, accessed. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so there's all this kind of stuff. So I usually just find an angle for the, the customer in question, and then... I'll tell them a story, mm-hmm. lead them down a path. Yeah. And usually at the end of it, they've got these massive eyeballs staring at me like I've just scared the hell out of them. <laughs> yeah, and you don't have to necessarily go bananas on it, but no. you've got to at least sit down and have the conversations with the business and just go, you know, at least make an informed decision, yeah, mm-hmm. and go as, go as far as you can afford to or want to yeah. or, mm-hmm. you know, but at least have a bit of a think about it before you just turn it all on. Know the risks, right? Yeah. Yep. Know the risks. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a... Very, very good advice um, to to kind of, uh, I guess, top off or, or or come to a close here, um, guys. It's been awesome chatting to you. Thank you for taking the time and showing me around uh, Auckland and the great weather and and whatnot. And before we go, I guess we, you know, um, we always kind of like to uh, plug, you know, give you the opportunity to plug yourself. So each of you, uh, starting with you, Paul, how do you want to be found? Do you even want to be found? Ah, uh, yeah, I'm not hiding. Uh, <laughs> I, I try to make a bit of noise on LinkedIn. Um, it's just uh, Paul Bloom underscore NZ. That's where I'm at. And of course, my uh, my blog is uh, ucsorted.com. Uh-huh. And that's where I am. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm mostly active on the Twitter community. Uh, my handle is Andrew Morpeth. Um, that might be a bit difficult to spell. So find me at ucgeek.co. That's my blog. So check me out there and the, the links to Twitter and various other channels that I post information on um, are there as well. Cool. Oh, yeah, I'll put all of that in the show notes too so folks can just click awesome. through and... And uh, and I guess the next thing, well, next time we'll be seeing each other is at summit coming up in uh, Looking forward ooh, to yeah, bring it on. a month or so, just just short of a month. So um, I know now it's it's been recorded 
first round of beers, second round of beers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fair <laughs> enough. We know. He's not offering anything, obviously. We, we may or may not be at Joey's <laughs> at some point <laughs> during I'm summer. Sure we will be. Brilliant. <laughs> well, guys, thank you again for your time. Yeah. Really appreciate Thanks the uh, sit, sit down here, and uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll be chatting again. Thank you. Cool. Hey, everyone. Before you go, we just wanted to say thank you for listening. We really enjoy putting this podcast together for you every two weeks. Please visit us at thearchitects.cloud or alternatively drop us a tweet. We'd love to hear what you have to say. At the Cloud Arc.